0: A
1: Podcast
0: One production. Happy holidays, everyone, and welcome to Just The Gist, a weekly podcast. Well, almost weekly. Sorry about last week. (laughs) Brought to you by Rosie Wobble and Jacob Stanley, the very, very busy, important woman herself. Rosie is going to tell us just the gist of what we need to know about a topic of her choice, which this week is...
1: (gasps) Lorena Bobbitt. <laughs> <laughs> Why does that make you laugh? I like that it makes you laugh because it means that you probably don't really know the gist.
0: I, I definitely don't know the gist or the gist that I know is Well, the name incites
1: laughter in you, so explain Correct.
0: And once upon a time, the name... Um, Monica Lewinsky would have incited laughter because all I knew was she was the butt of a lot of very, very funny and tasteless jokes until a certain point when I got educated about it. And Um, if there was was one woman in
1: the 90s who was possibly the butt of more jokes than mm -hmm. Monica Lewinsky, it's Lorena Bobbitt.
0: Yes. So all I know about her is from cartoons in Mad Magazine and references (laughs) to her... (laughs) In things Did like you proper- read
1: Mad Magazine?
0: <laughs> I went through a phase oh, as a child, you little
1: yeah. little dweeb.
0: <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, proud, proud history I have. Uh, yeah, so all I know about Lorena Bobbitt really comes from comedy.
1: Yes. Mm. Well, that's what most people know about Lorena Bobbitt. Um, I will say right now that we're not doing local news for these episodes because... Um, we're going to drop them at some point over the next couple of weeks, and so we don't know what the news is. But if we were doing Rosie's selected headlines of what is important in the world, I would say, one, everything's a trash fire and the world is burning <laughs> while the Prime Minister ran away to Hawaii, I think, is what I'm reading in the news. Um,
0: for safety? or
1: No, <laughs> for a holiday. Oh. For safety! <laughs> Go to life safety for glamorous Mai Tai safety. I don't know. This is what's beautiful there, and it's far enough
0: away from the toxic smoke that everyone's inhaling.
1: He's on holiday and he's an evangelical, so he thinks that if bad things are happening, it's because you deserve it because you don't go to Hillsong. So he's just like, Well, if everything's burning, good luck to you. I'm saved. Bye bye. Has he um, gone
0: over there to start a Jonestown-style refugee camp for other Hillsong members over <laughs> there?
1: Look, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> He'll
0: create an idyllic paradise on an island.
1: Yeah, no gay people allowed because that's a sin, um, mm. according to Hillsong. Mm. Um, yes, yeah, so that's happening. Um, also, other big news, my show, Kid Chameleon, is mm-hmm. on sale now. Uh, My stand-up tour kicks off in Canberra and Adelaide in February. So, Canberra, Adelaide, please go to rosywaterland.com and buy tickets to my stand-up show, Kid Chameleon, which is awesome. And it's about my effed-up childhood and how it turned me into an adult who drinks wine and collects vintage Polly Pockets. Very funny. Please buy tickets, rosywaterland.com. Also- I'll be there. Thank you so much. Yeah, (laughs) Jacob will come, which a lot of people have asked me. They're like, I'll go if Jacob's going to be there. And I'm like, (laughs) get (laughs) Uh Oh, we've got the first beep within the first (laughs) three minutes. (laughs) And what's any other generic news that we can do that would fit at any point in the next few weeks?
0: Well, have the Kardashians been up to anything? Just make something up and then it'll probably end up happening.
1: I can't think of anything.
0: Doesn't matter, but um, a request from one of my friends is can you give me just the gist of... One of the original ones had a husband or partner who was the father of her child who then mm-hmm. had an affair with mm-hmm. the best friend of one of the second generation Chloe. Of them. Yes. I, I, I don't know.
1: Chloe um, was with a guy called Tristan Thompson. They,
0: this can be its own episode.
1: Oh, no, but this doesn't need to be its own episode. I can give you the gist of this right now. Oh. Chloe had a kid with a guy called Tristan Thompson. They called the kid True. And True Thompson, and then the guy Tristan was at a party, and he slept with a girl called Jordan, who is Kylie Jenner's best friend. Mm. And then everybody found out, and Jordan had been living with Kylie Jenner, um, which is like the best thing ever—basically living with your billionaire best friend who just takes care of you. And then Kylie Jenner was like, "Get out of my house and leave!" And so Jordan got effed, and Chloe broke up with Tristan, and everything went not so. And that's what happened.
0: Oh, yeah, that that wouldn't have been a very good episode. (laughs)
1: No, yeah, that's pretty much the gist of it. And also, can I just say, I would like to do an episode um, on O.J. Simpson at some point Mm. and cover the conspiracy theory that he is actually Chloe's dad because (laughs) O.J. Simpson and Nicole Simpson were best friends with Bruce Jenner and um, what's her name? Chris. Chris Jenner. Oh, I'm
0: so upset. Um, I know that. Oh. And
1: so, Chris Jenner apparently cheated on Bruce with OJ, and because OJ just cheated with everyone. Um, and when you see side by side photos, as put together by the Daily Mail, so you know it's legit. Chloe looks a buttload like OJ Simpson. It's weird. Really? And when <laughs> it came time to get a paternity test, Chris like, got really upset and didn't want her to do it, and Chloe also refused to do it, I think because, like, maybe deep down she knew that it Uh, could possibly be the truth. Those are the generic headlines that could be read at any time over the Christmas period (laughs) as decided by Rosie and Jacob. (laughs) (laughs) Also get tickets to my show, Kid Chameleon. Go to rosieborderland.com. Um. Okay. So, shall we launch into Lorena Bobbitt? Please do. What do you know about the story besides that her name makes you laugh and you remember it being a huge joke that you read in Mad Magazine because you were a massive dweeb on the <laughs> Central Coast? <laughs>
0: Only briefly. Seneca uh, uh, <laughs> I know that for some reason she cut off her husband's penis. And you just,
1: like, almost hesitated before you said penis.
0: Well, I was weighing you up went, which term You cut to off use. her
1: husband's <gasps> penis. Venus <laughs> <laughs> and <laughs> chucked it
0: into a field somewhere. Yes, they then managed to find it and mm-hmm. put it back on
1: the mm-hmm. husband.
0: I don't know mm. his name. Um, yes, I do. John Wayne.
1: Yes, John, John Wayne. Wayne. Bobbitt,
0: yes, and then John he lived Wayne happily ever after as a porn star from then
1: on. That's partially correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. What are your thoughts on her? Uh, That she's a nutter?
0: I think she had to have had a reason to do it, Sure, No, but not in
1: hindsight. Of course, everyone thinks that now. But, Mm -hmm. like, at the time, do you remember what you thought? Because you're a year older than me, two years older than me, right? Mm -hmm. I was eight when this happened. So, you were ten. So, Mm. I have memories of this happening, thinking... The news was telling me that she was this psycho woman cut off this poor man's penis. Mm. That's kind of the vibe I had always had.
0: Yeah, totally. And I'm sure that's sort of the vibe of the jokes
1: that yes, I had exposure course. to.
0: Yeah. Um That okay. she was this lunatic. And also I think she was always sort of portrayed as like a femme fatale.
1: Yes. Oh, yeah, big time. She was very beautiful and she was Latina. She was born in Ecuador and raised in Venezuela, and she was only 24. She was so young mm-hmm. and tiny and, and gorgeous and, yeah, definitely very femme fatale. Mm-hmm. So very, like, basic instinct, fatal attraction, villainess mm-hmm. is kind of how she was portrayed. Mm-hmm. So let me give you just the gist of Lorena Bobbitt, the woman who cut off John Wayne Barbett's dick. <laughs> Are you ready for this? Take it away. So, um, her story is this, it's June 23rd, it's 1993.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's the middle of the night. John Bobbitt comes home. He's Lorena Bobbitt's husband. Um, he's a couple years older than her. So he's like about 26. She's about 24, 20, 23, 24. He comes home in the middle of the night, very, very drunk. She alleges that he violently rapes her, which she says he does often, all the time. Mm. Um, He then falls asleep. She goes downstairs to get a glass of water, and while she's in the kitchen, she sees an eight-inch butcher's knife on the kitchen bench and something in her snaps. And she says she can't remember what happened after that, but essentially she picks it up, goes upstairs upstairs, pulls down the bedsheet and cuts off his penis. But she doesn't remember that. All she remembers is seeing the knife on the kitchen bench and the next thing she says she remembers is driving her car while having her one hand on the steering wheel and another hand holding a severed penis. Oh so she basically, it's like waking up from a dream, <laughs> driving, holding a bleeding dick. <laughs> so she freaks out, obviously. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and... Um, immediately winds down the window and throws the penis out the window into just some grass on the side of the road. Um, And she drives to where she works as a manicurist at a nail salon, hoping that there'd be someone there or the door would be unlocked and she'd be able to get in. But she gets there and, you know, it's the middle of the night, so there's no one there, the door is locked. So she has the knife. She throws that in the bin outside the nail salon. She gets back into her car and she drives to her friend's house. Her friend is um, the owner of the nail salon and her boss, so like an older woman who she looks up to as kind of like a mother figure. So she gets to that house, tells this woman what she's done, and she's hysterical and she's like, I think I cut off John's penis because she says she can't. She just knows she woke up with it in her hand and threw it out the window. Um, so her boss is like, okay, we need to go to the police and tell them that this happened. Mm -hmm. But also we need to tell them that he raped you and that you think the next thing you remember is this. Mm -hmm. Um, so they get to the police station, but the police don't really seem interested in her rape allegation because all they know is that in the last half an hour, a dude has turned up at the emergency room missing a penis. And this woman has turned up at the police station saying she stole a penis. Uh So the police are like, you need to tell us where the penis is. Mm -hmm. And she sort of can't remember. She's like, look, I remember throwing something out the window and it was near the 7-Eleven on the side of the road. So then a bunch of police head to where that 7-Eleven is, look everywhere, and eventually find it in the grass across the road from the 7-Eleven. No way. Yes, and <laughs> they have enough sense to know they should probably put it on ice. So they take the penis, run over to the Seven Eleven, put it in a big bite hot dog box. <laughs> <fill, fill, laughs> yes, yeah, this is it is funny. They fill up the hot dog uh, uh, box with ice from the drink machine, and then they rush it over to the hospital, mm. where John Wayne Bobbitt undergoes an eight hour surgery to reattach it, which it is successfully reattached.
0: Do you know how he got to the hospital? Did he just wake up? That's what I'm
1: about to tell you. So that was her version of the story. Here is his version of the story. He says that he came home that night and he wasn't very drunk at all. Mm. He says that he told Lorena he wanted a divorce and she told him that she didn't want anyone else to ever have him because she's psycho and jealous. Mm -hmm. And he remembers being pretty sleepy and Lorena being on top of him and he says she was playing with him, trying to essentially give him a Mm hard-on. Then he says all he remembers is he felt a tug and a pull and then she was gone. Now, the forensic experts and the crime scene experts who who came to the house to look at everything... Mm -hmm. They said that it was clear from the way the blood had pooled on the bed and the way his body imprint was uh, deep in the bed mm. that, and the timing of just how everything happened, it was quite clear that he had gone back to sleep for some time, indicating that he was so drunk he didn't even realise that his dick had been cut off and he just went back to sleep. Oh. But he insists that that is not true but the experts say that it is, mm-hmm. so whatever. Mm-hmm. So he says that immediately he looked down and realised what had happened, that she had cut off his dick. He says he put pressure on it. He went downstairs to where he had a friend, the friend that he'd been out with, um, he said that that friend could stay at their house and sleep on the couch. So he went downstairs and woke up that friend and said, you know, I need to go to the ER. And his friend was so drunk that he didn't get how serious it was, and so he insisted on like taking his time and brushing his teeth before they left. So John Bobbitt said he spent time just standing in the living room with pressure on his severed Bullshit. area, waiting for his friend to brush his teeth. Oh shit! Yeah, I was like, you guys are so yeah. drunk. You were probably like, oh my god, and your friend was like, oh my god, to brush my teeth, and you're like totally okay. I'll just wait. Like they were. They were Is that faced. because
0: they did a blood test or breathalyzer or something like? Do we know um, honestly, fact, they've
1: never there was. N- I haven't found any information that indicates they were uh, given like a toxicology test. Mm-hmm. But she insists that he was very drunk. Witnesses at the bar insist that they drank a- a- an excessive amount. Mm. Um, And everybody says that there's no way, given the timing of when it happened and when he turned up at the hospital, that he didn't fall back asleep after it happened, which meant he was Mm shit-faced. And also when they got to the hospital, the police on the radio were heard saying he's clearly extremely inebriated, Mm -hmm. as is the friend who brought him in. So Mm -hmm. they were were Um, (laughs) shit-faced. So... (laughs) They stumble in to the hospital and they're like, hey, this guy's dick's gone. <laughs> and that was about the same time Lorena <laughs> was turning up at the police station with her friend to tell them that she had cut off, she thinks she had cut off, her husband raped her and she thinks she cut off his dick. Mm-hmm. Um, media caught wind of the story pretty much immediately because they, you know, have they listen to the police dispatches and stuff. Yep. Like, that's how they get their story. So it was pretty much a story, like straight away. Mm -hmm. And this was around the time at this period in the late 80s and early 90s of like the Menendez trial and the OJ trial and all that drama with Tonya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan. So this was like the time when news was turning into a 24-hour day form of entertainment, like Mm -hmm. in a way that it had never been before. So people... Um, in the news industry were still kind of navigating how to entertain people every second of every day, which meant they were looking for ways to sensationalise news and, um, and put stories on that would get eyeballs on screens.
0: Is that not still happening? Has that not always happened?
1: Oh, no, it's still happening now, of course, but back then it had news for a long time had very much been about like, 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. every night, there's Mm. a news bulletin that tells you the most important stories of the day Mm. and a newspaper comes out in the morning and that was news. Mm -hmm. But then cable television happened and so this was, the late 80s, early 90s was when 24-hour news became a thing. Right. So stories like this were what they were dying for, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? So he was, while he was getting his, penis retouched. She was at the other end of the hospital getting a rape kit because mm-hmm. she told them that he had raped her. Um, and after that night, he was charged with rape and she was charged with um, malicious wounding. And they both had trials set. So this is what people don't know, that there was actually two trials. He was put on trial for allegedly raping her, Mm -hmm. and she was put on trial for allegedly what they call maliciously wounding him. Mm -hmm. Um, So the trials were set for a year after this happened. So this happened in June of 1993, and her trial came first, and that was... Yeah, his trial came first, his trial for the rape came first, and that wasn't until September 1994. Mm -hmm. So there was a little more than a year where the media was just going crazy about the story. Like, it was international news everywhere. Everyone was talking about it. Like, you know, David Letterman did, like, a top ten reasons. Lorena cut off her husband's dick. And SNL did, like, literally countless, 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 countless sketches. Mm. It was part of the stand-up routine of, like, everyone. Robin Williams did a really famous stand-up bit about it. So did Whoopi Goldberg. Like, and I remember it being on the radio when in Sydney... The morning radio was like Wendy Harmer and a bunch of other dudes. And Mm. they had this song called Detachable Penis that my (laughs) mum just thought was the funniest thing she'd ever heard. And I still remember it. Um, Will you sing it? It went like this. I can't remember, I can only remember the chorus. I can't remember anything. But all I remember was it went like this. Detachable penis, detachable penis, <laughs> detachable penis. <laughs> and that's all I remember. I mean, I was like eight years old.
0: Sounds <laughs> like something you can really click along to. I
1: know, right? Um, so it was huge and it was basically all at her expense. Like the initial response to this was... Like, he is a poor victim who got attacked by a vixen villainess type lady. Mm -hmm. Um, She got a lawyer um, and also a publicist, which she said now is because she was literally being hounded by the media. Like, there was, you know, tens and tens of reporters following her wherever she went. There was reporters trying to look in her window. Her house was surrounded. She couldn't work. She couldn't do anything. So her lawyer said to her, you need some kind of media representative to handle this for you. So she got a publicist. um, But the second she got a publicist, and the press found out that she got a publicist, they were basically like, well, clearly you're a fame whore, so mm-hmm. now all bets are off. Mm-hmm. Whereas before that, there was still a kind of um, feeling that, well, she's an abused woman and we need to wait to see what happens. And But as soon as she got a publicist, they kind of just went after her. Mm-hmm. Um, she did one print interview, and she did it with Vanity Fair, and in it she... Described a marriage that was filled with just horrific, unimaginable abuse. Um, and so this is kind of the first time anybody finds out anything about her. Mm. Um, Like I said, she was born in Ecuador. She was raised in Venezuela. She came to the U.S. on a student visa when she was 18, just after she finished high school. It was her graduation present to get a ticket to the U.S. Mm -hmm. She lived with family and she was trying to learn English, which she did by watching soap operas, and she got this job as a manicurist. She met John Wayne Bobbitt. Uh, like a couple months after she arrived in the U.S., so met him when she was 18. He was her very first boyfriend. She met him at a Marine Corps ball because he was a Marine. Mm -hmm. He was a young Lance Corporal. He was only a couple years older than her. Um, Her family's really religious, so she's not allowed to see him unless it's chaperoned. They're definitely not allowed to have sex unless they're married. And also there starts to be some talk of her visa running out. So I think for all those reasons, like they really wanted to bone and whatever, Mm -hmm. um, they marry not long after they met. Mm -hmm. And he proposes to her with a shitty cheap little ring that he found at the bottom of the marine pool while he was doing laps. (laughs) 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 <laughs> 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 and he admitted to that No, sh- that's what she admitted That's what she told everyone
0: but How did she know? He must have he told, told her it. Oh
1: yeah, no, he told her So Yeah
0: <laughs> Hey, I want to marry you And I think you'll like this <laughs> I found it. It looks like your size Oh,
1: I don't Caught know, know Caught You know when you're 18 and, and- it's your first love, and everything's kind of romantic, even though in hindsight it's really not. Oh, not okay. <laughs> like, I remember um, my first boyfriend, Piersy, he bought me for my birthday, like, this $30 shitty bracelet that he bought from the chemist. <laughs> and I swear to God, it was, like, the most precious thing I owned for three years. I just thought it was so romantic and beautiful, and I never took it off. Like, what a piece of shit.
0: I love that it turns my whole wrist green.
1: I know. It did, though. Yeah. <laughs> um so they get married but not long after marrying everything goes to shit and she realizes pretty quickly that his sexual appetite is huge but also really violent like he gets off on forcing her to do things that she doesn't want to do she alleges that he starts raping her pretty much straight away Mm. um he starts hitting her pretty much straight away she says when his time in the Marine Corps ends, he doesn't get a job, and so he just lives off her and her manicurist job at the salon, um, which really stresses her out um, because she isn't making enough to support them both, so she starts stealing a lot to just to try and pay the mortgage and mm-hmm. to try and get by. Eventually, the house gets foreclosed on, but he doesn't seem to care. Um, she says she's pretty much living in hell, but she has no idea how to leave. And also, she's young. Like, she's so young. Mm. So, very first boyfriend. She loves him. And just like these abusive relationships go, she's convinced she can make it work. And like all abusive men, he apologizes every time something bad happens and also convinces her that, you know, if she just didn't provoke him. He wouldn't be like this and all that classic abuser stuff. Mm-hmm. So, it's just years and years and years of that, of him just breaking her down. And so when she's um, 23, it's been, you know, almost 24, so it's been almost six years, she's just broken. Um, And one night he comes home, rapes her, and she snaps and this happens. Mm -hmm. So that's the story she tells Vanity Fair in the time between the incident happening and their trials. Mm -hmm. He doesn't do any press in that time because his lawyer that he got, which, um, you know people are paying for by the way like Howard Stern became one of his biggest financial supporters um basically Why? saying that he thought he like well we'll talk about it I, I think the thing is a man getting his penis cut off is men's worst nightmare mm. like to them it is the worst possible thing you can do to a man mm-hmm. And, you know, Howard Stern said some pretty deplorable things. I mean, not surprisingly, but things like um, he doesn't believe that John Wayne Bobbitt was raping her because she's too ugly to be raped. You know, things like that. Um, um, In popular culture at the time people made out like she was crazy. Mm -hmm. Like he was just this lovely, unassuming man who just wanted to take care of her. And because she was an evil witch, one night she snuck in on him while he was drunk and cut off his dick because Mm -hmm. he said he wanted to leave her and she didn't want anyone else to have him. Mm -hmm. Um, And the thing I think about this is, and this is what's interesting, is that at the time a lot of feminists were coming out saying she did what, you know, a lot of women have thought about Doing. Mm-hmm. She finally stood up for herself in a way that you cannot blame her for doing after having been horrifically abused and constantly raped for six years. Mm-hmm. She just snapped. And I think the reason why men came down so strongly on his side is because, particularly at that point in the early 90s, men didn't understand that being raped is just as bad as having your dick cut off. Mm-hmm. Like, I think men don't often seem to understand the horror of being raped. And the trauma of being sexually assaulted isn't taken as seriously as it should be, even now. I mean, you can see in how pitiful our prosecution rate of sexual assault is. And even if a man is successfully prosecuted, he'll often, you know, get a more lenient punishment than somebody who, you know, lies to Centrelink. Mm -hmm. Um, It's almost like... Lorena Bobbitt figured out a way to violate a man that finally made men feel something close to the equivalent of what it's like for women to be violated. Mm -hmm. So Whoopi Goldberg had this stand-up set at the time where she talked about the whole thing, and she said it was like Lorena Bobbitt finally made men realize what it feels like to be a woman all the time so men are now freaking out that women are going to cut off their dicks when they least expect it while they're sleeping and Whoopi said how do you think women have felt walking home alone for centuries like we mm. constantly feel that way walking around we are constantly feeling that level of fear and danger and Lorena Bobbitt, has finally made men feel the vulnerability and fear that women have been feeling day to day forever. Mm -hmm. And that is what has made them really uncomfortable and that is why they hate it. Mm -hmm. And also Whoopi was like, it's interesting the way they're all coming down so strongly on his side, yet they fail to ever believe us when we talk about these things Mm -hmm. and how they affect women all Mm -hmm. the time. Mm -hmm. So... um,
0: And also... Yes, go. I just want to know if, in addition to the very obvious gender dynamics at play yes. here, do you think there was <laughs> also racial discrimination at play? Given that she was a she wasn't Latina. born in America. Yep.
1: Yeah, I think so. Um, she has said that there was definitely um, uh, some kind of undertone of that. Like she was a kind of um, like people. The way people would talk about her, it was always like she was an exotic kind of, um, villainous woman from another country who, you know, had this kind of, um, ethnic wild streak, mm-hmm. like that kind of, uh, rhetoric Too was always used. Too spicy to control yes. her passions. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Too spicy to control her passions. She said a lot of stuff like that was said about her. Um, yeah, so men didn't like it. They didn't like feeling that sense of vulnerability and fear and not knowing when you're going to be attacked. Mm. Um, and so they rallied around John Bobbitt like he was literally the second coming of Jesus. Like, it didn't even matter that she was alleging he had raped and abused her. A lot of them didn't re- didn't consider that true because he insisted that it wasn't. Mm. But a lot of them said even if it was true, that is not as bad as having your dick cut off. Like, how dare she? Um, Either
0: way, you are permanently scarred. Either way, yes. you are never the same again. Either that's way, you're what, never going to feel safe. That's what I think safe. men
1: didn't understand. This is what is nuts to me, like... Yes, she cut his dick off, but he how is that to me that is the same kind of trauma as having it's both people having their most intimate parts violated. Mm. You know why? You know what I'm going to say? <clears throat> Gender, Gender dynamics. dynamics. <laughs> so, um there's a trial for um him raping her, um, he is found not guilty.
0: And all of his legal fees are paid for by his adoring fans. By
1: his adoring fans. Her
0: yes. legal fees are obviously paid for because of the media deals that she's doing via her publicist, which was obviously incredibly necessary. She's No, she's not doing trial. any
1: deals. She does one interview with Vanity Fair and that's it. That's all she did. She literally hired the publicist just to have someone to handle all the requests, which she refused. Really? So her legal fees were paid for by the salon owner, her friend.
0: Get out. Wow. Okay.
1: I'm not sure how much she got for the Vanity Fair interview, but um, Playboy offered her a million dollars to Pose uh, and she refused. Mm -hmm. She wouldn't do anything. So his trial comes first in September, mm-hmm. uh, his trial for raping her. Mm-hmm. He's found not guilty, oh. which um, is like this huge victory. He comes out of the courtroom. Everyone's cheering. The messed up thing is the, pros- the state prosecutor who um, prosecutes him for rape and the judge who tries the case is the same state prosecutor and the same judge who are going to try her for cutting off his penis a couple months later. Yeah. What? Yeah. So it's like... What stage is this As if you happening? weren't doing it half-assed. Like, they were clearly on his side.
0: Are they in a small town?
1: It's Yeah, it's a small town, yes. Um, and when asked why he didn't opt to have the trial moved, the prosecutor just said, look, literally everyone from Bangkok to Berlin is talking about this. It doesn't matter where we have the trial. Um, both trials. And so... This prosecutor went from um, going after him for raping her to two months later going after her for assaulting him and cutting off his dick. It's a bizarre situation, which I don't know how it was allowed. But once he was found not guilty of raping her, that made her trial extremely difficult because mm-hmm. the whole crux of her self-defence was that she did this because he assaulted her in such a visceral, awful way that she snapped and did what she did. Uh-huh. And so that he was acquitted of that meant, well, now officially that did not happen. Uh-huh. So how are you going to explain why you did what you did? Um, they do her trial and it's one of the first trials ever that is televised, like literally all of it. Uh-huh. Um, there were points where like at one point a major arms deal was signed with some other country and, um, Clinton signed this huge deal and they cut away to cover the arms deal and the station was, um, I think it was CNN, were literally just inundated with so many complaints Mm. that they just cut back to the trial before the arms deal was even done because people just wanted to watch (laughs) this trial. Um, She got on the stand and um, there's footage of it because it was all filmed and on live TV and um, basically talked about the abuse and when you watch her it's just like there's no doubt she's telling the truth she's traumatized she's trembling Mm. she can barely speak and she's talking about just this six years of hell she's endured with him and what he did to her and how she was a virgin and she didn't understand and it's it's just awful Mm. awful enough that um clearly the jury believes her Um, He still maintains that he was fine. He's never abused her. She's a spicy Latina psychopath. Mm. Um, He told her he wanted a divorce. She went crazy and cut his dick off. Mm. But clearly the jury believes her because at the end of the trial, she's found not guilty by reason of temporary insanity. And the temporary insanity that her team alleged was that she had been so abused so horrifically for so long that this one night she did just snap. Mm -hmm. Um, And temporary insanity, like, never works. Like, Mm -hmm. apparently the stats are, like, less than Mm 0.1% that people ever get away with using that. So the fact that they believed her was pretty, I think, vindicating. Mm -hmm. Um, So all she had to do was serve... 45 days in a mental institution because she, you know, pleaded temporary insanity. So she mm-hmm. needed to be evaluated. Mm-hmm. They released her in less than 45 days. I think it was like 38 or 39 because mm-hmm. they were like, she's fine. She's not going to hurt anyone. She's not a danger to herself or others. She was a severely battered woman who mm-hmm. couldn't take it anymore. Um, and that's pretty much it after she's released she just retreats into privacy she doesn't do any interviews she doesn't do any deals she doesn't accept any money she goes back to being a manicurist and just tries to rebuild her life Mm -hmm. um John Wayne Bobbitt though goes nutso trying to be famous Mm. so he is basically like every reality TV star who gets kicked off their show and then just does every (laughs) single thing they can possibly do to try and keep the fame ball rolling. Mm -hmm. So he embarks on a 40-city tour going on every TV show, every radio show, everything he possibly can doing interviews. He starts a band called Severed Parts. Oh. Um, trying to raise money to help pay off his medical bills. He starts selling whatever merchandise he can. So he starts selling like this patented um like penis protector. And he starts selling oh. autographed butcher's knives. Oh. And he starts selling t-shirts that say things like John Bobbitt, a cut above the rest. Oh. Um it's so gross. <laughs> uh. um, Howard Stern steps in to help him, um, holds a New Year's Eve televised um, telethon to raise money for him. Um, it has a giant penis emitter that is slowly getting raised depending on how much money they're getting. The penis emitter is operated by a girl in a bikini. Um, at the end of the night, um, just over $200,000 is raised for John Wayne Bobbitt. Mm. Um, he's a frequent guest on Howard Stern, by the way. There's a lot of awful audio you can listen to about the awful things they say about Lorena. Um, then, as the money starts to run out, um, John Wayne Bobbitt stars in two porno films. One is called John Wayne Bobbitt Uncut oh. and the other is called Penis. <laughs> oh! Now, um, Dino was asking me this before. No, he didn't ask me. I just told him. <laughs> I've seen... Both penises. So, I've seen the severed and the reattached.
0: Oh. So, oh.
1: <laughs> there is. Did they publish
0: what, photos of this, when yeah, they found it? it yes. Uh, is it in the hot okay. dog box?
1: Okay. So, I got most of this information I got from a documentary called Lorena, which came out earlier this year. Yeah. It was produced by Jordan Peele, um, you know, who was the Oscar-winning director and writer of Get Out and Us. Uh-huh. Um You don't know who I'm talking about, anyway. I've um, seen Get Out, yeah. Yeah, and he's from Key and Peele, and he's, like, anyway. Um, So he uh, produced a four-part documentary called Lorena that came Mm. out earlier this year, and in the documentary they do show the severed appendage, and it's weird because I was saying to Dino before, in your mind, you imagine it erect, like you imagine a, a... Hot an erect, severed hot do- a hot dog. <laughs> but it's not, because it's obviously not. Mm. It's 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 small, like it's it's soft. It's pre aroused. <laughs> it's I mean, I'm sure everybody listening has some experience of what I'm trying to say, maybe. Um like a slightly bent finger. Well no, like it's kind of like a little no, it's it's um it's not circumcised, so it's kinda like a chubby kind of just m- massive skin, <laughs> yeah, and they show it just very unexpectedly in the oh. documentary. You're like, Whoa, like but only for two seconds they show it. But on it.
0: the ground where they found it, or in um the no hot dog on box. a
1: on a medical tray in the hospital. Okay, so it's like they documented the surgery because it was quite you know revolutionary or whatever. Um. And if
0: those cops had had a camera phone back then, you can guarantee <laughs> right. that we would know exactly what it looked like. Right.
1: But also it was settings. a different time. So they interviewed the dispatcher on this in this documentary who was saying, we knew that we couldn't say anything over the radio because media were listening. So they were being very careful to say things like, um, there is a part of a man in the grass that we need to find and things like, we need to get it to the hospital quickly to reserve this man's dignity. Like, they wouldn't say the words. And even at the time, penis was not a word that was said in newspapers or on television. Mm. And so this was the very first time that, like, news media had to make the decision to start using the word penis because this was literally pages and pages of news every day. It was all anyone wanted to talk about it. You couldn't talk about it without using the word penis. Penis. Yeah, you run out so, of euphemisms pretty quickly. Exactly. Mm. So, I mean, even if the police did have camera phones, I feel like it was still a time where people didn't, were a little too nervous to share information like that, except mm. for the Howard Stearns and the, you know, producers of what was becoming a huge um, news entertainment industry. mm mm-hmm. um, Wait,
0: where was I? Doesn't matter. Taking a step back. <laughs> so, you said that you've seen this documentary and you've seen the penis, but you oh, yeah. haven't told us, have you or have you not seen the porn
1: Franken-penis? Okay. So, yes, I have also seen the retouched <laughs> penis. I didn't watch the... Po- well, I watched some clips of the porn. I watched some clips of both. I watched
0: some All clips... All in the name of research, I'm sure. I watched
1: some clips of John Wayne Bobbitt uncut, and I also watched some clips of Franken-penis. The only reason I watched more than one clip is because I kept not being able to see his penis and so I finally found a clip with his penis and it I don't know it just looks like a penis I mean I guess they did a pretty good job of putting it back on but also it's old 90s porn and what I saw was really grainy there was a guy who worked at a brothel and he said a bunch of his girls told him that they saw it up close and it looked like a dented Red Bull can (laughs) (laughs) Oh <laughs> <laughs> so that's some detail <laughs> oh.
0: <laughs> um did he actually dress up like Frankenstein's monster, like is it a reenactment of that narrative?
1: Uh, not that I saw, not in the clips I saw. I haven't looked up the plot of the narratives because you know this is just the gist, okay,
0: sorry, I'm always I googled the,
1: some please. clips just because I wanted to see the penis. <laughs> And then I just moved on. Okay. <laughs> um, so uh, then when that money runs out, he mm. becomes a bouncer at um, the very famous brothel called the Bunny Ranch in Nevada, mm. um, which a lot of people have heard of, which is where the guy said, um, the girl said his penis looked like a dented Red Bull can. He uh, gets fired from that job for allegedly just being a drunken, drugged-up idiot and uh, mistreating a lot of the women. Mm. He also gets married and divorced several times and is convicted of assaulting uh, all of those wives. He's convicted of misdemeanor domestic battery against one of them. He's charged with battery against his third wife several times. Um, He's found guilty of stalking and harassing other ex-girlfriends. One of his wives he allegedly handcuffed to a bed and raped for days, which he spent time in prison for, so he was convicted of doing that. Um, How
0: long did he spend in prison?
1: Not long. I think it was a yearish. You know, oh. not longer than somebody who lies to Centrelink or steals a chocolate bar. <laughs> oh. Um, since 2014, he's been living on disability after breaking his neck in a car accident. Mm. Um, he also, um, oh, I forgot to tell you, had cosmetic surgery to make his penis bigger in 1996, but in 2016, he had that reversed because he said he didn't like it. Mm. Um, he told, (laughs) this is the best, Mm. he told 2020 recently when they asked him what he's up to, that he's searching for a treasure chest that billionaire Forrest Fenn is said to have buried in the Rocky Mountains. And John Wayne Bobbitt believes that if he finds it, he'll be invited to the White House to meet President Trump in person to express his thanks and support. Oh, <laughs> oh my <God>. I know. <laughs> oh, um,
0: he's a thundering lunatic.
1: Yes. Clearly. Lorena went to college after all this happened she fell in love and she got married to a man that she's still married to today. They've been married for more than 20 years. Mm-hmm. They have a daughter and she spends uh, most of her time working for the domestic violence um, nonprofit she created called the Lorena Gallo Foundation, which is mm-hmm. her maiden name um, So she uh, that foundation basically uh, helps women who are escaping violent relationships. Mm-hmm. And that's what she's doing now. In the documentary Lorena, she says that John Wayne Bobbitt has contacted her several times, uh, sends her Valentine's Day cards, birthday cards, is constantly insinuating that he would, if she was willing to apologize, would like for them to get back together. So he's still trying to abuse her and Mm. keep her under thumb and he says in the documentary like you can kind of see on his face like yes if she was a very beautiful woman and I still have feelings for her and if she was willing I think we could still work and she kind of when they cut to her is just her face is like is he crazy Mm. (laughs) she just is not interested and Jordan Peele Um, has a great quote about producing the documentary. He says, with one of um, my favourite terms, he says, with this project, Lorena has a platform to tell her truth as well as engage in a critical conversation about gender dynamics, abuse, and her demand for justice. This is Lorena's story, and we're honoured to help her tell it. Mm -hmm. And so that's the documentary, which is awesome. Everyone should watch it. It's on Amazon Prime Video. Mm. And that is pretty much the story of Lorena Bobbitt, the woman who cut off her husband's penis that everyone thought was a huge joke.
0: Well done. He honestly sounds like one of the most vile examples of humanity I've ever heard about.
1: Agreed. Mm. And can I just say, because our producer will want me to, allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but yes, he is disgusting and awful and I hate him. So what are your thoughts?
0: Oh uh, um She really does seem incredibly admirable.
1: Yes, I agree. Obviously I not agree. knowing
0: any of these things, the fact that she wasn't interested in profiting from this in any way. Mm-hmm. She obviously was being treated like a victim and after the trials were done, the fact that she just stepped out of the spotlight, even though she was under this intense media scrutiny. She didn't and choose could to have capitalise on it. She chose to just move away and then just quietly go about her business until the point when she could start to help other people um, mm. with this not-for-profit that she's set up. So she actually sounds incredibly strong and hopefully she's been able to recover from the torture she was experiencing. Um, and she
1: is strong. In the documentary, They the interviews with her are just so profound and and interesting and, and just really, I don't even know how to describe it. She, yeah, she just really is an admirable woman and she tells the story and she understands that it's funny. Like she understands like when she's describing like the police, that the police found a severed penis in the grass. She's like, I don't remember throwing it there, but she's like, the idea that these men had to go looking for a seventh <laughs> piece. She's kind, she kind of starts laughing. Like, but she also is just so honest about the fact that she was young and ended up in this abusive relationship and she didn't know how to get out of it yeah. and and has now devoted her life to helping women like that and just lives on a regular street. She never left that town because she said, no, I'm not going to let him make me leave. Mm. I love it here. I came here from Venezuela I love this town, I'm staying. And so she's lived there ever since, Mm -hmm. just on a normal street, normal little house with her husband and her daughter.
0: Mm. Um, It's incredibly sad that he wasn't held accountable for raping her Mm. when it sounds like obviously they came to the conclusion that she didn't just go temporarily insane out of nowhere. Something was provoking her to the point where she completely went off the edge for a minute there. Mm. Um, So I think it's a real tragedy that he was never held to task for mm. what he was doing to her and then the fact that when he finally was found guilty of rape he was only in jail for a short period of time like that's inexcusable
1: like most men mm. who
0: are mm. um so you know what all power to her and
1: is that very different to, to what you finding thought that, that treasure is that... Yeah, I know. He's <laughs> looking for treasure. Off you and go, sunshine. a billionaire sunshine. buried in the mountains because he's going to get a special award from Donald Trump. Oh. <laughs> I actually got very uneasy, um, viscerally uncomfortable watching his interviews in mm. the documentary because um, he is clearly uh, a very uh, scary... Unhinged man, mm. and it f- seems quite obvious that he's lying. And he just sits there insisting that every woman who ever accused him of any kind of abuse is part of a larger conspiracy to bring him down. And it, it, you just watch him, and he just sounds nuts mm. like, and it's but it's also not that he's nuts, it's that he, you know, is so refusing to be accountable for his deplorable behavior and treatment of women that it's almost like he literally believes his own bullshit, Mm. that he didn't do anything, but if he did, it's because he was provoked Mm. by psycho ladies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anyway, so everyone should watch it. It's really good. Okay. And then I also just, you know, read a bunch of, you know, the Vanity Fair article that she did at the time. There's been a lot. There was a 2020 episode that I watched with him recently, which is the one where he talked about the treasure. Mm. Um, (laughs) A lot, a lot of really, there's just uh, endless amounts of stuff you can read. Um, So, okay, Jacob, Mm. if you were at a dinner party Mm -hmm. and wanted to put people off their sausages, (laughs) 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 I want it to sound really, really smart.
0: (sighs) They're baby Franks.
1: How would you give people just the gist of Lorena Bobbitt? Uh, In a minute or less.
0: All right, so a terrible, disgusting misogynist was treating his wife incredibly badly and raping her and torturing her effectively. Yeah, you just keep jumping in with those. Allegedly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Allegedly.
0: Uh, To the point that she then... Completely snapped and mm-hmm. in a moment of temporary insanity she dismembered him and yeah. uh, took off. And when she came to, she had that member in her hand, disposed <laughs> of it as quickly as she could, turned herself into the authorities because she didn't understand what she'd done or how she'd done it, but she was starting to put two and two together. Um, well, she
1: was holding a severed penis. In the
0: yeah. meantime... He's taken himself to hospital. Why he didn't call an ambulance, I don't know. (laughs) Because
1: they were (laughs) shit-faced.
0: They then each have separate allegations that are brought to trial. Each of them is in the end found innocent, effectively, and Mm -hmm. are able to then move on with their lives. She takes a very classy high road. He takes the absolute lowest road available (laughs) to anyone. (laughs) By pursuing (laughs) horrific media opportunities where he gets to be the butt of the joke ongoing for Mm -hmm. a small amount of cash, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, Continues to treat women terribly,
1: Mm -hmm. allegedly. Allegedly.
0: Um, And then decides that the best route for him to pursue is being a devoted Trump supporter while searching for buried treasure.
1: In the Rocky Mountains. Mhm. <laughs> and she is amazing.
0: mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Close and that's enough. It.
1: Yeah. There I think are. that's that's pretty much it. That's the story of Lorena Bobbitt.
0: You did well, honey.
1: And Johnny Wayne. Mm. Detachable penis. <laughs> Detachable penis. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I have one question. Yes. And it might be just a little bit too detailed. Okay. But they televised his trial. Mm. Sorry, no. They televised her, her trial, trial while she yep. was being prosecuted. Did they not televise his trial while he was being prosecuted?
1: No, they didn't televise his. Um, I'm not entirely sure why. I think because of the nature of the crime, possibly I could mm. just be making this up because it was sexual assault. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time it was a media kind of agreement that you don't reveal the identity of a sexual assault victim, which they all threw out the window when they found out she had a publicist. So that might be why. I do know that her trial was meant to come straight after his. So his was in September. Hers was meant to come in December. Mm -hmm. But everyone decided that they were going to televise it and nobody watches TV in the Christmas period. So they purposely held the trial off until January so that um <laughs> For it would the get rape, <laughs> yeah yeah uh, um so yeah i'm not i'm pretty sure that's the reason why America. his wasn't televised but hers was but there was incredibly detailed news reports every day about what was going on in the room during his trial mm-hmm. and because it was a trial about one incident of rape they didn't go into any of the details about what their history had been together. Mm-hmm. So during his trial and up until her trial, there was still this major understanding that she was just a nutcase mm-hmm. who got jealous and and cut off his dick. And it wasn't until her um, legal team was able to um, put her on the stand and and highlight exactly what the history of their incredibly violent and abusive relationship had been, that people were like, oh, my God, like, it's kind of making sense, which, you know, means it's no surprise that the jury in her trial found her not guilty. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because of? Gender dynamics. Dynamics. <laughs> dynamics. No, even Jordan Peele said so. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's that. That's that. Um okay, so that's this Christmassy Holiday edition of that.
0: In the spirit of the holidays, yes. a story about maim and torture.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing for Christmas? Seeing your mama? Seeing the widow Stanley? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll all be getting together and having a few drinks. It'll be great. Yes. Yes.
1: Well, because my sister and her children <laughs> are Muslim, we'll be having a non denominational celebration of food and gifts for the children mm-hmm. with no Santa. And no anything. It's just a time for family to eat and buy things, which is kind of how we celebrate Christmas anyway. <laughs> exactly. So. That's how
0: we do it too. <laughs> Wouldn't have it any other way.
1: Get a bit pissed. Give the kids some presents. Mm-hmm. Anyway, well, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Uh, uh, celebration. Happy Merry Bring on one and all.
0: summer, yes. Enjoy.
1: No, gross. <laughs> Ugh, I hate summer. I can't wait for winter. Bleah. Okay. Um, we'll have another episode next week while I try and tell him the plot of Cats in celebration of the release of the movie Cats. And it's not even sponsored by Cats. I just think the whole thing is so ridiculous. And I said, you know what my Christmas present to myself is? Talking to Jacob about cats. <laughs> so tune in next week. That's what we're doing. And then... Um, Um, I think we'll probably have, I don't know, maybe a week or so off, and then back in the new year. Meow. Merry, happy, love you. Merry, happy, love you all. Bye. Okay, bye.